Now I'm going to discuss how we would look for a new law. In general, we look for a new law by the following process. First, we guess it. <laughs> then we compute... Well, don't laugh. That's really true. Then we compute the consequences of the guess to see what, if this is right, if this law that we guessed is right, we see what it would imply. And then we compare those computation results to nature. Or we say compare to experiment or experience. Compare it directly with observation to see if it, if it works. If it disagrees with experiment, it's wrong. And that simple statement is the key to science. It doesn't make a difference how beautiful your guess is, it doesn't make a difference how smart you are who made the guess, or what his name is. If it disagrees with experiment, it's wrong. That's all there is to it. If there's a question bothering your brain that you think you know how to explain, you need a test. Yeah, think up a test. If it's possible to prove it wrong, you're going to want to know America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers, new opportunities. Clicking sounds, sounds that reveal the presence of radioactive rays. The instrument, a Geiger counter, is converting radioactivity into sounds we can hear. And welcome. This is Tank Riot, episode 151, where we discuss the scientific method. I'm Sputnik. With me, as always, is Victor. Hello. And of course, Tor. Hi there. But first, I did it, Tor? I was wondering if you gentlemen had an opportunity to watch the two-part. I guess you could say it was a miniseries, but a two-part bio on um, Houdini, starring Adrian Brody on the History Channel. I did not, but someone told me about it. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> Let me just say this. <clears throat> Besides, you know, before I go into the actual documentary, plus, Adrian Brody doesn't really look anything like Houdini, but he let his hair go kind of weird, and he parted it and everything, so I thought, yeah, okay, and he was like all buff and everything like Houdini was, so it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, okay, I, I'll buy him as Houdini, but they had commercials for Vikings series uh, three? season three. When does it start? <laughs> all right, here, check it out. So, so they showed all these clips, right? And it's like Ragnar coming in, you know, through the mist on a dragon ship with heads hanging off the front, oh. and everything else, and then the their uh, their soothsayer, you know, with the blackened out eyes and everything. And then toward the end of it, he said, "But you'll have to wait. You'll have to wait, and you'll have to wait." And then in the end, it said, Vikings coming 2015. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my God, my nipples were diamond hard. I was like, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> so anyways, the Houdini bio was, you know, it's one of those things, you know, we obviously did a podcast on, on Houdini. And I thought, I think they did a fairly decent job. Mm -hmm. But it's you, no tank riot. But well, no, it's no tank riot. I mean, again, I think we did the, uh, the definitive Henry Ford bio. But oh, for sure. In any case, the thing that, that got me about uh, Houdini is that, well, I mean, by virtue of what he did, you know, an escape artist, magician, a lot of his life was cloaked in a lot of secrecy. So 
biographers have always tried to do the definitive book on Houdini. And there are some things that are kind of thin in terms of like, well, did this really happen or not? So so this was actually based on a uh, psychoanalysis mm-hmm. that was done on Houdini. Oh, God. <laughs> there's, there's psychoanalysis of Hitler and right. all these other things. And, you know, let's be honest, it's psychoanalysis is like a, an interesting beginning tool, but mm-hmm. probably not the definitive anything. Mm-hmm. But in any case, we can say that Harry Houdini was definitely a mama's boy, yes. like Elvis or whoever else. I mean, he was definitely very fixated on his mom. <laughs> and therefore she had but she had no almost no role in this in this two part movie at all. She was there and then they would refer to scenes and everything uh when he was a boy and then she kind of appears at the window before he goes on tour in Europe the last mm-hmm. time and then you know she she of course dies. Mm-hmm. And that's when he starts with the mediums and so forth but they they were doing other things like um they kept <laughs> You know how he could always take a punch to the stomach and he would tense, you know, he he built himself up for years, even when he was a kid and he could tense his muscles. Well, every time he had like a bad emotional, you know, or, you know, if someone actually did hit him, like they had one with Rasputin punching him in the gut, you know, when they have the the bells ringing and so forth. And that, that was really a great scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, no, no. uh, Maybe you're familiar with the actual trick that he did. Um, so he, he had an audience with, uh, the czar and his fam. So first of all, they had the whole thing where, you know, he was actually a spy for, um, MI6. Right. And he was, you know, cause he knew German and everything mm-hmm. and he, and they, you know, so he knew about like the von Schlieffen plan before the first world war and so forth. Anyways, he goes to, uh, and has an audience with the Romanovs. He asked the Royal family to put what, one trick that they really wish more than anything else in this Fabergé egg that the czar had. And of course, you know, he palmed the real request and it was to make these bells ring. And of course the, they hadn't rung in years and the ropes were rotted and everything. So he goes to the window and he does this thing where he's got the string and everything. And then it ends up becoming like a, like a rope cord and he has Anastasia come over and pull it. And of course he's got, um, a cohort over there with a rifle bouncing bullets off the bell every time she pulls. <laughs> so the royal family just drops their knees thinking he's like a real mystic and everything. And of course, Rasputin's like all pissed off and everything. He said, <laughs> so he invites him to punch him in the stomach. And then, you know, so he's, he's taking these punches and then they go to this like Gray's anatomy oh, shot of, you know, like the muscles. And then there's like something kind of squishing behind it. And mm-hmm. then of course, if he has an emotional trauma, then there's something, it's like he's getting punched and they, they reused <laughs> that footage way too, too much. Wow. And then they were trying to do this whole thing where it was a conspiracy of the mediums and the spiritual community at the time that actually kind of did him in. So this, it wasn't oh, a God. college kid that just punched him in the stomach. It was this guy who was pissed off because he had, um, Defamed. Um, so this isn't a good biopic. This is just a fantasy. Pick. I don't know. I mean, it's it's. Well, they <laughs> yeah. were putting forth all these things, and then like they had another thing where his his wife was smoking pot constantly. And so it's everything. like an Oliver Stone JFK documentary. It had that yeah. feel to it. Yeah, <laughs> like we're gonna add layers that aren't really yeah. there. And make yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I like the original story, and I think there's enough real depth in his original life that you don't I think need so to too. embellish it in weird ways. But they did have some yeah. scenes like, you know, when he jumped from the bridge into the ice, mm-hmm. you know, the hole they cut in the ice and everything. And, 
And they did include the the part where he bought an airplane and was the first to fly an airplane in Australia. So it it wasn't it wasn't without merit, but you know it was. uh, Hmm. I would say it was like the Tony Curtis Houdini movie. It was it was flawed in that way, in that they you could you could have done things in a much more straightforward biographical way, and as you say, it would be incredibly engrossing. Yeah. But instead, they kind of went with very flimsy. I think the the tragedy of his death is pretty fascinating without having, you know, because the the fact that he didn't seek medical help and went on with the show and right. and did his whole thing, even though he had the appendicitis, you know, appendix rupture. Well, peritonitis would have set in. I mean, sure, in sure. that period of time, you didn't have penicillin or right. anything. If they would have gotten him to on the sur- on the uh, surgical table almost immediately, I don't think there was a lot that they right. could have done right. for him. So. Just unfortunate, you know, very unfortunate death. Well, but... and even the murderer was kind of ha- haunted by this the rest of his life. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a fascinating story. Yeah. So, listen to Tank Riot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kids stay in school. I was busy. Yeah. Um, I-, I didn't watch that, but I saw, uh, you know, Moss from IT Crowd is also a director. Oh. He, he directed uh, Richard Iota. I'm probably mispronouncing his last name because it's very British spelling or whatever. Um, but... It, it's a great movie called The Double. Um, uh-huh. His first film was Submarine, and I have to check that out yet. But The Double is based on Dostoevsky's short story, The Double. Ah, okay. And and it's it's really good because no one can do unreliable narrators and emasculated bureaucrats better than Russian <laughs> storytellers, you know? <laughs> right. So Dostoevsky wrote The Double as kind of a – it's almost like a play on Gogol's uh, The Nose. Mm-hmm. Um, about a guy's nose falling off his face and starting a life for itself. <laughs> you know, it's a <laughs> satirical uh, thing, but Dostoevsky made it more dark and had this doppelganger that slowly had the charisma and charm to start a life. And Wallace Shawn was in it. Um, and he was also in uh, Vanya on 42nd Street. Oh. So it's cool to see him in another uh, Russian uh, film. But anyway, it's a great adaptation and it does a really good job of taking the the old... Russian story and and placing it in this weird bureaucratic Terry Gilliam kind of space like Brazil Mm -hmm. was in. And and I really enjoyed it. Jesse Eisenberg was the lead and the doppelganger. And and it was just a lot of dark, dark fun. Oh, gentlemen, are you aware that uh, Trailer Park Boys season eight's out on Netflix? Oh, I've started watching it. (laughs) Oh, God, it's so awesome. You know, it's like Goodnight to the Bad Guys was so, or goodbye, was it Goodnight or Goodbye to the Bad Guys? But that's the one where... Uh, Mr. Leahy just goes like nuts, <laughs> just fucking nuts. He's wearing like yep. he's running around in these dirty, tidy whities, just shit drunk. And yeah. Randy isn't even trying to protect him anymore. In fact, he's giving him the booze. And it's... yeah, so this all I saw so far was episode one of season eight. Okay, so just started. I'm just glad they're doing new ones because I mean that yeah. show is just so good and. You know, and I wanted to say something, too, about, uh, you know, the passing of Joan Rivers. Uh, I I remember watching Joan Rivers when I was a kid on The Tonight Show. You know, so I've, I've literally been watching her for years. And I know that her comedy wasn't, you know, always necessarily everyone's cup of tea. But, uh, you know, her and Phyllis Diller, I think, were, I mean, there there would be no women in comedy if it wasn't for those two. Right. And I know that's almost trite to say, really, because... But the thing about about Joan Rivers is that, you know, she just kept working, 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 you know, right up until the end. Yeah. And um, 
She got a lot of guff for doing all the runway stuff. I think a, a lot of the more... That was like a whole new career for her. Sure, though. sure. I, I never missed a Fashion Police. Yeah, so... I mean, honest to God, uh, Mrs. Sputnik and I watch Fashion <laughs> Police over martinis every week. And, and the thing about her is she's so unapologetic about it. She's like, look, these guys are millionaires, billionaires. They, they have right. enough money. And we're making fun of the clothes they wear. It's really not that big a deal. <laughs> yeah, they can right. forget about me any minute. Yeah. It doesn't matter to the celebrities. Oh, yeah. But a lot of people thought she was too harsh on them. And I, I just, whatever. Oh, they're just such a yeah, bunch of babies. It. No, no, they you don't. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like award shows anyways are just the biggest ego stroke to a community that's nothing but it's ego strokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so in in many ways it was kind of almost meta comedy. It was like, mm. you know, who are you wearing and you know and she, and we, she would just make fun of people their face and of course they're like probably half blitzed or something or I don't know. I just I always got a big kick out of it. So yeah. I, I hope they continue the show, but you know, it's probably maybe not. But she is quick as a whip. I mean, I oh, saw yeah. I haven't seen the documentary about her, but there is a documentary about mm-hmm. her life and and it shows some of the insecurity she had and everything. But I haven't watched the whole documentary, but I saw a clip of her mm-hmm. in Madison. Not, I think it was in Madison. It was in mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Um, yeah. She was on stage doing a bit about um, Helen Keller and making fun of right. what a great childhood <laughs> because she never talked. Right. <laughs> you know? And someone yelled, hey, my kid's deaf. My kid's deaf. And that's not funny. And she's like, of course it's funny. My mom's deaf. You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, then, yeah. and then she just immediately tore into, you know. This idea that she has carried a long time. I saw her last interview on CNN where they kept hounding her for being mean. And she was like, look, we have to laugh at the horror of life because there's so much, you know, yeah. bad in the world. But but then she launched immediately into how her husband has one leg and he lost his leg in World War II. But, you know, did I yell at him for leaving it in Europe? You know? <laughs> and, and she just made another put down joke out of it. But Darlene, I don't know what your life has been like, but I have a lot of people who have gone through hell and if you can make winston churchill said if you make someone laugh you give them a little vacation (laughs) and maybe you take the worst thing in the world and make it funny it's a vacation from a for a minute from horror i mean i think the thing about joan rivers comedy that was always misunderstood was that it was an early version of you know kind of shock comedy take it to the edge and maybe you know and go over it You, you kind of define the edge by by doing that kind of comedy but i think you know at the time when she came up and the fact that she was a woman, oh, it just yeah. it's, it just seemed like, you know, oh, well, she's just being mean or whatever. And it's like, well, male comics make those kind of jokes and then some and, mm-hmm. and nobody really says too much. So and, you know, I'd have to say, too, when I had heard that uh, she had passed away, it, it struck me like Robin Williams or uh, when Hunter S. Thompson died. Um, you know, I woke up, it was February and the clock radio was playing and they, they said it on the news. And I thought, you know, that was right at the beginning of the Bush administration. It's like, boy, that's, that's when you need a guy like Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. And Robin, you know, the, the caliber of comedians that, that Robin Williams and, and Joan Rivers are, again, you, you need people like that more than ever just mm. to take a little break from, oh, you know. A little bit of everything. Yeah, that's yeah. what she was saying after nine eleven. Hey, by the way, happy nine eleven, everybody. Yeah, what, I mean, what are you supposed to say for that? Yeah. But uh, yeah, she was saying they when, have a black ribbon for that. By the way, I didn't know uh, that until I, I googled. I hope it's got mm. a magnetic version I can put on the back of my car yeah. and solve all the world's problems. Nine eleven, nine eleven. But uh, yeah. she was saying it was just one of her classic riffs about how you know 
he's the only guy in Afghanistan who's uh, on dialysis, and there's only one outlet in the country, so just follow the cord. <laughs> so she's just, just tearing him down. It was just oh, yeah. kind of funny, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I did see that documentary, that more recent one on her life, and it was really interesting because, well, I mean, she had to deal with a lot of, you know, personal tragedy with her husband, Edgar, committing suicide and everything, and... uh she was she was still angry about that till the very end. She mm-hmm. goes, "Hey, you know, you have some bad times. That's no time to check out." She also had this huge cabinet full of drawers, you know, like you would see in an old library with a Dewey Decimal System, and mm-hmm. it had like every joke, every zinger, and she could just Jeez. like go wow. back to that and then just like redo material or something or or rework it or you know it's like oh it's a good joke it's a good setup and everything so I'll just change the names so they're more contemporary <laughs> you know wow. and and then she they asked her well what are you most of um she was like going through her date book and, you know this isn't on a smartphone or anything she's yeah, she, she old had school. A, like a old school date book and she says here I'll show you what's really scary and she flipped way ahead in her in her. Uh, date book and there were all empty pages and she goes that's what scary is to me (laughs) it's like there's nothing to do there you know your career's over it's done so she worked right until the end yeah Yeah. um i was gonna say too rolling stone had a very good article about uh, robin williams i thought Mm -hmm. um you know much better than the tabloids and so forth did i don't think we knew at the time of our podcast where we mentioned about robin williams a bit you know how much honestly i think we all love him but um i do for sure but yeah um, that he Absolutely. had Parkinson's and oh really yeah. yeah his his wife uh, third wife uh, mentioned that uh, about three days after he had pat you know that he he, he, he was keeping passed. it secret or he wasn't ready to talk about it yet with people well it seemed like you know a lot of people thought well when the crazy ones which Mrs Sputnik and I we watched that whole season mm-hmm. we enjoyed it and the, the, one of the best parts of it was the outtakes and you know he he just the guy could just riff yes forever yeah. and and he was breaking everyone up and it was great but um he did that on inside the actor's studio too where he just took over and lipton didn't know what to do but he just let him go he lipton might, never he knows what town. to do it's perfect though i mean yeah. i I, I was used to love it when will ferrell would imitate james mm-hmm. lipton and the fact that lipton showed up in arrested development made yeah. my respect for him go up like 10 notches right. i was <laughs> like oh my god this guy understands how funny it is you are your own parody <laughs> sir <laughs> i don't know if you know that awesome but anyway yeah um but the problem with Parkinson's is it does create this dopamine. Um, yeah, which is kind of ironic problem. when we think of the movie Awakenings that you know he was in with <laughs> yeah. Robert De Niro. But it can also have major depressing, uh, depressant effects for people. Well, you know, in reading the article in, in Rolling Stone, and I thought it was interesting too. The picture, you know, because the man's got, you know, there's so many pictures of him, yeah. and they had this one where it looks like he's just kind of in between things, and he looks just like himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mrs. Sputnik said, well, you know, that's kind of a weird one to take. And I said, well, yeah, but, I mean, the man committed suicide. I mean, it's not – maybe you want to show this different side that he hid so well. And after he had um, heart valve replacement, that often is a trigger for depression as well. And oh, that's yeah. when they found out about the beginning stages of Parkinson's. And you got to figure so, – so he was a runner for many years. And Tori, you'll love this. And he liked to bike, too. He liked to bike. He had over 50 bikes. <laughs> yeah. And he said that his wife was always pissed at him because he'd go into these Marin County bike stores, of which there's like two million. Uh-huh. And, and he'd, he'd, you know, drop five figures for a bike and, <laughs> and then ride it home. And he'd say, Jesus, you know, how many of these things can you ride? So him and uh, uh-huh. uh, Lance Armstrong are actually um, – <laughs> 
And one thing Lance said about him was that he said that, you know, we got to be pretty good friends. And after I, you know, kind of came clean in 2013, he didn't call me up and say, hey, I'm really disappointed or anything because we were the kind of friends that he could have done that and mm-hmm. that would have been fine. But he didn't. He understood and he didn't, you know, try to distance himself or anything. It's like, OK, whatever. If Lance Armstrong were my buddy and he was caught in this thing. I would call him up and say, well, Jesus, man, what the fuck? That's crazy. And then I'd be like, holy shit, I can't believe you got away with that. And yeah, how can this is like (laughs) epic level of uh, scheming? It's unbelievable. So you, sir, (laughs) that was a master shenanigan. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Wow. Wow. So in any case, uh, but you, you have to imagine a person who whose whole career and life is is based on. Uh, you know, language and thinking quickly, and you know, physicality in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. That you know, Parkinson's would really be that would be kind of it. In so, a way, yeah. He said he was depressed. He was, yeah, he he wasn't. When the crazy ones didn't get renewed, he said he was more worried about everyone else being put out of work. He didn't because I mean, he's obviously going to be in some upcoming movies, so I mean, he was still working. His mm-hmm. career was fine. Yeah. But it was just the Parkinson's, I think, was just, you know, I mean, like you say, again, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's like when you see, you know, you saw Kirk Douglas after his stroke and everything and they trot him out for the Oscars. And it's like, yeah, OK, he's brave and he he's not trying to hide it or anything. Mm-hmm. But it's really sad to see. Too. Sure. Kudos to, to Michael J. Fox for continuing on. Yeah. But again, yeah. it's, you know, when he tried to do a series with the Parkinson's, it's like, man, no one wants to see that. It, I mean, it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple people that really came out of the woodwork after this happened. One of them didn't surprise me at all. It was Gene Simmons being a dick. And Gene Simmons, Gene was Simmons like, is a dick. If you're going to jump off a building, just jump off a building. Uh, you know, whatever. Total yeah. horseshit asshole thing to say yeah. about after someone commits suicide. I regret suicide. those four years of distinguished service in the Kiss uh, Army. Yeah, no kidding. But, Gene, Gene is really really a dick uh, and i think i can say that without getting a libel because it's just a slanderous word right i don't know i think no, Penn- I, th- I, th- I think it's a well-known fact and i think gene, <laughs> yes. if you ask gene, gene are you I a dick and you say yes i am in fact a dick when penn and teller had the show bullshit they were encouraged by their lawyers to call things bullshit because it was just a <laughs> emphatical <laughs> yeah you know it's they couldn't get in a libel suit but anyway another <laughs> one that really surprised me that was a giant dick about this was uh, henry rollins and I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of Henry Rollins. I've been a fan of his for a long time. His spoken word stuff is really usually on point. Right. But he came out and said that uh, people who commit suicide, uh, the the value of their work uh, suffers. So he doesn't view their previous work with respect if they committed suicide. I'm like, motherfucker, yeah. you're going to try to yeah. take away all the wonderful shit that Robin Williams has given the world just because – in an instant, he made a decision that ended his life for whatever reason. Even Hunter Thompson and my, you know, Hunter Thompson had every right to end his life. And, yeah. and people should be able to do that. Hell, exactly. more people should have more, well, you know, well, ways The thing to with Henry Rollins is that he's one of the... suicide. Yeah, exactly. Henry Rollins, like, I don't know if you ever watched that 10 Things You Didn't Know series he does on the History Channel. And oh, I haven't watched the that The guy one. comes across like some sort of, you know, grandpa punk... Uh, Mr. Science. It, yeah, but in some ways I like what he says, and I often agree with him. I mean, Jello Biafra can yeah. be really grating sometimes, and I pretty much always agree with Jello when he's doing yeah. his spoken word, and I liked Rollins because mm. he's well-read, you know, and he, he would 
throw stuff together really eloquently, I respect even him. though he's very yeah. aggressive sounding. When he's giving a tirade, it is a tirade. I do I do respect Henry Rowan's background, but well, yeah, less, there's times... Less now. I'm I'm really disappointed with, uh, yeah. with his uh, article that he wrote about Robin he's, he's like a libertarian, you know? It's like you could follow him just for so long, and then it's like, okay, I, I'm sorry, where are we now? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where are we going, and why am I in this handbasket? <laughs> Yeah, and I think as we talked about in the last episode, depression is kind of can be a medical condition. Mm-hmm. So, and I think my guess is there's probably different types of suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, there's sure. some people that might kill themselves just to upset someone else, right? To piss them, you know, <laughs> it's like a revenge of re- yeah, which is kind of that. That's perhaps not that admirable, I would say. You kind of martyr yourself. Yeah. yeah the, the, it's like, yeah, but you're right. Hunter S. Thompson, Robin Williams, to me, that's just like you're checking out on top. Yeah. Yeah. You're just saying, I can't take this anymore. Or kind yeah. of, and and that, that's a different thing, you know? So I don't think we can just categorize all suicides in one little no, box. No. I knew a, this, is, yeah. this is not a funny story, but I knew a Russian man, <laughs> an older man who's defected from the Soviet Union left his entire family, come to America, started a new life. Uh-huh. He was a, I, I, I can't give away what he did, but he was a very influential person in Russia. He came to America and was a taxi driver and a masseuse and wow. worked his way back into academia and and has done all these things. And, and that man's name was Yakov Shmernov. And <laughs> in, in Soviet <laughs> Union, suicide does you... Um, he, I had a friend commit suicide, and uh, mm-hmm. I went up. I I went up. I was talking to him about that, and he just looks at me and goes, "You Americans, you're so weak." <laughs> oh. I was like, "Holy shit, man! That was that was pretty hard." Yeah, thanks. That was incredibly cold. <laughs> but, but when it comes from someone with that background, I was like, "I'm just gonna eat that one. I'm gonna let you yeah, get oh, yeah. away with that one because I know what happened in Russia." <laughs> Oh yeah, sure, I yeah. I also had a friend in high school commit suicide, and I was unfortunately the first person to discover them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it 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 has an incredible impact. Mm-hmm. But <sighs> but but there are some medical reasons, and and I think Robin Williams seems to fall into this category of someone who honestly the depression is a side effect of an illness, and yeah, you know, yeah. He, he, but yeah. by the same token, if. If you're having suicidal thoughts or you know someone who's having suicidal thoughts, I mean, be proactive and, and get help because yeah. it's not like we're advocating suicide here. No. <laughs> no, 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 I, I mean, no, no, definitely, no. Uh, you know. Exactly. But, but it's just like I don't feel any worse about Hunter Thompson because he checked out because his health was really bad and he just felt like I'm in control. This is my time and I'm leaving. And yeah. I can see Hunter doing that, you know. Or, or Robin Williams. Yeah. Now, I would not say that about. Uh... Robin Williams was completely unexpected to me. Yeah, it yeah. Was, well, yeah, but that's the thing is is because we we had learned to see him one way, and even people who were very close to him said yes, he was incredibly good at masking. Right. Um. Actually, that Rolling Stone article was very good because it did mention that when he was with Kid Rock in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and he got to know him and everything, and he said, "Well, you know, tell me what Mark and Mindy was like," and he just sort of shakes his head and he goes, "Mountains of cocaine." He <laughs> goes, "I of knew coke. it." I think everybody knew it. I think everybody knew it, yeah. <laughs> he had a white mustache for a couple episodes. The Kid Rock said, you know, I've done cocaine, but I like I never tried to work on it. <laughs> and he goes, well, different time, you know. And anyways, he would say that, you know, when Robin, when he would be in business meetings, if it was just him and one other person, he he needed that feedback. 
you know, of an audience or more people and mm-hmm. he could kind of riff off them. So like if he was in a one-on-one meeting, he was, people would say he was fairly inarticulate and would just like power sweat and everything. And then like one other person walk in the room and then all of a sudden, Hey, it's an audience, you know, <laughs> give me that scarf. <laughs> yeah. So, so he was, he was very good at deflecting. And oh yeah. Yeah. He used that. So, I mean, when you figure, okay, you've been to rehab how many times you've kicked the Coke, you've kicked the booze. Now you got Parkinson's. You got nothing left. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I, I, I could see Or at least it, it felt like it at the time. It felt so, like it at like the it. time. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, if you know someone who's in a circumstance like that, I mean, there's there's the suicide attempts that are cries for help. But, you know, if you, if someone's going to do it, they're going to find a way and a time to do it. You know, I'll say one last thing about suicides just in general is that there's a documentary about people jumping from the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> and they were saying that a few people have survived that. and. Right. Uh, anyone who's ever survived that has said that their their last thoughts after they jumped or the first thought after they hit the air was, oh, my God, this is a big mistake. Why am I right. doing this? So just well, knowing that people who yeah. survive suicide attempts have that reaction with, oh, my God, this was a really dumb, bad idea. I shouldn't have done yeah. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh. But anyway, anyway. You yeah. know, another person we lost um, that I wanted to mention is Richard Keel. Yes. And for a couple reasons, A, I love him and I love Moonraker. And we mm-hmm. talked about that in our James Bond Ooh, episode. Moonraker. Yes. He's yeah. Jaws um, from oh. James Bond yeah. fame. You know, I was oh. surprised he, he had actually lived as long as he did suffering from gigantism like mm-hmm. that. I mean, that's that's kind of a, you know, you don't you don't live super long when you're that no. big. No, uh, Andre the Giant didn't. I mean, no. I love that guy too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, Richard was a real sweetheart, a real great guy. Um, he, he actually, one of his earlier things he did was he was an alien in that Twilight Zone episode to serve man. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. He didn't, I don't think, yeah, he didn't do the voice, I don't think. I'm going to have to rewatch that episode. But yeah, go, watch, go watch to serve man. Oh, God. It's, like it's a cookbook. Yeah, that is fucking referenced <laughs> everywhere. Well, it's such an iconic episode because, I mean, and then it even starts off with, to me, the best Twilight Zones were either, you know, I always love the prologues where someone would be in a bus station and right. they'd cross the room and then the camera would like pan down and there'd be Rod Serling yeah. chain smoking in You're the like, bus Ooh. station submitting for your approval, a woman in a bus station, you know, or, or better yet, when it would completely go to the scene where he was like in some sort of weird Twilight Zone-ish kind of grave mm-hmm. space. And then he would, it would seem like he would do so much facial emoting you know and everything and it's like i forget what those things were called they were like galaxians or something and he'd say you know here's a galaxian eight foot tall over 300 pounds recently arrived on earth <laughs> yeah it gives you so much backstory that they have so little they have to cover after rod's done they're boom we're right in the store you know? that's fantastic i love the futurama futurama did a, oh a, and Treehouse of Horror, I think, also did a oh, Disturbed yes, Man yeah. joke, and they kept wiping off the cover a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, really funny. Uh, it's referenced all over, but Richard was a part of that. Anyway, yeah. I love Jaws. I know that we thought, it, I think you guys see that Roger Moore phase as like the cheesiest phase of James Bondism. But it's a phase I really like. It's my entry point. That's yeah. where I started. Okay. And then I, you know, yeah. Let me say this about Went back that. and found Peter. <laughs> 
No, the, recently, <laughs> I, I don't even remember what channel it's on now, but uh, there was a Quantum Leap Marathon the other day, and I had a real hard time going into work. It was like, <laughs> oh, fuck it. I know they're going to show the chimp episode. Da, yeah. Da, da. <laughs> da, da. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, they had... Uh, Oh God, I'm totally blind. Yeah, I'm not feeling well. I'm gonna call in sick. There's a quantum leap. Quantum leap by you, Yeah, I got lost. Kiss my marathon. I'm like, how did I not know that was gonna? <laughs> they also had uh, Mystery Science uh, Theater 3000. You know, this island Earth. You know, with yes. Exeter and the Interocitor. You know that that one is just like so cool. You know, I, we haven't talked much, but I went to Comic Con in Chicago. Yes, and uh, wow. Joel Hodgson was giving a. He had a paid oh. event. I didn't make it to the paid event because I was trying. Uh, the Viking Princess wanted to see uh, uh, Bar- mm-hmm. uh was going to give a talk, but he missed his flight. Apparently, I think he was too hungover or something happened, <laughs> and he missed his flight and missed his talk. But we got to see um, Merle from Walking Dead and Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, the guy, the guy who plays Drax the Destroyer, um, they gave a nice little talk about Guardians. Oh, and cool! Anyway, I didn't get to see Joel Hodgson, but he was there, and I got to see Lou Ferrigno. I didn't talk to him, but wow, Lou Ferrigno was there. Stanley, I mean, I cannot say as a you know older man, I've never gone to a Comic Con before. But I really loved it. I really yeah. loved it. Wow. That would be fun to go to. I, I, yeah. I really, it was a great time. And I would probably, in the future, I'd probably do some kind of VIP where I could go for a while one day, go back to my hotel, and then go back again another day because yeah. I just felt like I was trying to take in so much. And the Viking Princess had to have her picture taken with Matt Smith, which was That's a, cool picture. a highlight of her life. She's <laughs> so happy. But yeah, we had to, there's a lot of lines and waiting and photo processing and oh, stuff sure, that has to be sure. done. Wow. So in the midst of all that, I, I didn't get to meet everybody I wanted to, but super cool. But I was really excited. It's so cool to have that many fun people in the same place. Were there sexy costumes? There were awesome costumes. My favorite... No, no, no. That's not what I'm asking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, sure there were. Oh, sure there were. Very sexy costumes. Awesome. Um, I think one of my favorite costumes, though, was the person who dressed up as Beaker from the Muppets. Oh, <laughs> nice. So they had, they had that... The head was just, you know, big enough to cover a person's head, and he, that was awesome. But there were Transformers. There were, I mean, really wow. complicated costumes that sure, I can't sure. believe people had figured out, but... Uh, there's pictures all over the internet of other Comic-Con great costumes. Um, I just saw another couple dressed up as Bruce Wayne's parents. And they're, oh! they're laying down with, oh, with no. blood and, and pearls. And they're all in formal wear. Wow. Oh, like, that man. is an awesome costume that right there. That is an awesome costume. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. I mean, so, so, Victor, who did you dress up as? I, I went as a nerd. Oh, okay. <laughs> when it's a visiting weird dignitary costume ever <laughs> yeah. is that fun time. Next to time call your mom to come pick you up <laughs> god triumph yes awesome <laughs> which one of these buttons called your mom to come pick you up oh man anyway wonderful wonderful time but yeah, I didn't, yeah. that sounds great well yeah. you know we were talking earlier before the show on uh, Scottish independence oh yeah I would have to say, as being partially Scottish myself, of Scottish extraction, I am for it. I think it would be a good idea. I would like to see the Commonwealth break up as a vestige of former empire. Mm-hmm. Plus two, I, w- I think it's it's long past time for the United Kingdom, especially those those 
two islands just to say, you know what, really, do we have to do this? I mean, <laughs> you know, ch- I, I, change your fucking heraldry. I was actually really... You're, you're for divorce. Is that what you- <laughs> yeah, I'm for divorce. I, I, you know, I think it's gone on long enough. And, uh, you know, and come on, we all watched the Highlander episodes when he was with Bonnie Prince Charlie. <laughs> Okay. All right. Maybe that went too far. Uh-huh. They just don't share the same interests anymore. <laughs> They're drifting apart. Yeah, they are. They're really into their own projects and hobbies at this point. Uh, yeah. Are Phony the islands in. drifting apart? <laughs> the tectonic shift. Little bit. Shift, a little bit. Yeah, tectonic okay. plates shift. That's a theory. That's a scientific theory. theory. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but we haven't yeah. seen it. <laughs> it hasn't been, just it's goes not so a law. slow. <laughs> it just fits all the fucking facts. <laughs> I, I was kind of shocked that the independence thing was making as much of a splash as it was. Because usually when this comes up, it gets minor. Yes, we should do that. Or, yeah, No, don't do that. And then it disappears. This would be as big as uh, the Irish Republic breaking away. Absolutely. Think, because, Absolutely. Know, and you know, Scotland's got like a shitload of North Cheap. Sea oil. I mean oil. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm saying, you know, let's get out of the Middle East and, uh, you know, get our oil from Scotland. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have all those Muslims to deal with. I mean, we love arming Scottish the Muslims. Muslims. <laughs> we love arming the Muslims and then turning against them a couple years later, like you know ISIS. <laughs> you know who's having trouble with Muslims? China. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Uh, I can never pronounce this name, but it's like the Un- Unigars. Mm, they're they're Chinese Muslims. And so, so like, China's having oh. its own, like... wow. You know, complete crackdown on you know. It's like, oh, you're not wearing a Mao jacket. Well, I love when I love that <laughs> France went through that too, where they're like, oh, yeah. they still. Well, I think they still are. It's still kind of going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's it's just interesting to see censorship in other countries. <laughs> yeah, like, oh. I mean, I personally don't give a shit if you you know wear traditional Muslim dress or yeah, whatever. yeah. But in a way, like in America, you know that every gang member. You know, every male gang member in Chicago would all of a sudden be Muslim because they'd be wearing masks and you know, it'd be totally yeah. legal. <laughs> well, that's the big thing now with, with ISIS is, um, and again, Archer has got to do something with that when they, they come back next January. But to me, this is just, it's not necessarily that I agree with the brutality or Sharia law or and, and so forth. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, is that I think this is essentially this part of the world reforming itself pre-Versailles Treaty. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, you call it Syria, you called it Iraq, how about if we just do it this way and draw the lines like this? It's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's interesting and it's, it's so frustrating because those kind of murders are so, so upsetting and... They're, so, they're very yeah. sixth century, especially especially when you you can watch them. You know they yeah. post. <laughs> it's so awful. Yeah. It's so it's just something out of a yeah. jigsaw movie or whatever. Well, I mean, you know, that's what you get for completely fucking destabilizing entire regions. So yeah. I thought I, I, think I we... thought we were going to be welcomed as liberators. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tord, you saw, uh, saw the, the unknown, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. Morris, yeah. the unknown, unknown. I watched it too. I will not watch this. Why I had, do you no, guys do this? No, gentlemen, gentlemen, I have to. <laughs> Well, you know what, Victor? You just take it. <laughs> I have to. I have to admit to you, Tor, that I, I mean, I love Errol Morris documentaries. Like I thought the one that you know, the Fog of War with uh, uh-huh. with uh, Robert Strange McNamara was awesome. Right. Yeah. But I, yes. I mean, because but that that was like an old man trying to defend his place in sure. history and the choices he made and so forth. Who right. is this guy? Who couldn't have cared less? I had to watch it in stages because I could only yeah, take I mean, it oh, for yeah, so oh, fucking long. Yeah, you, you can't. Know, you, 
If I was, because Errol Morris Pacing is the, the room. He's the most patient man in the world because I would have been lunging uh, across the room. Confess. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't do it in one sitting. You need, I think, oh. at least three. Yeah. Yeah, I can't and, handle that. Oh, and, I hate that man with a passion. But he, he just, uh, it, he, he kind of, he tries to be so intellectual, intellectual, uh, yeah. thinking about these things and, and, and doing this and that. And then, then they do this huge screw up, and it's yeah. kind of like, well, you know, that. Well, we didn't. The- we didn't have the metrics, you know. Yeah, and it's like, well, it just, you know, sometimes that happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least in Vietnam, like, they like, tried to make something up, and <laughs> you didn't even try. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, you're right. He is he is like such a pseudo intellectual, and he just plays these celibistic you know, word games, and you just yeah. you want to just slap him hard. You know, yeah. after a certain point, because it's like, look, man, you don't seem like an idiot. You've been in the halls of power for decades. You had to know this was stupid. You know, at some point, you had to know that you needed more than six weeks of planning for nation. They going. knew it was stupid before they even oh, made yeah. Colin Powell shake a little. Oh, like, that vile. is a tough one to watch. That oh, was I watched that live thinking. too, man. I mean, I they they knew what they were creating. I'll tell you something. It's it's tough to watch, Victor. I I will I will mm. have to say it's like Errol Morris was much yeah. more patient than I would have been. I it's it's like when you watch Meet the Press. Now, obviously, these guys, these policymakers, aren't going to come press. on this show. Yeah, <laughs> Meet the Depress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're not going to come on the show if you just start gunning them down. Sure. Not like you couldn't because you've got plenty of videotape, but. On the other hand, it, it was you, you watch that show. I, I just keep thinking, how can you just take this week after week when they're just lying through their teeth mm-hmm. and they're just smug little assholes about it, and you just want to say, oh, just that's it. Yeah. Well, speaking of Sunday uh, morning talking politicians, the and getting back to ISIS, and they might be ISIL now. I think they, they kind of conti- <laughs> they are a bunch of ISIL. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they continuously change their name. Well, no, so, the, pre- it, the press seems to change it. It was like, first they were IS, then they were ISIS, now they're yeah, ISIL. So and I, it's like Burma. No one ever calls it Myanmar. Yeah. It's I like, like the 1970s cartoon okay. ISIS. You know what Myanmar right. is famous for, apparently? Mm. Synthetic drugs. Awesome. Synthetic designer drugs. They made a huge bust, and they had like 2.6 million tabs of X that mm. they, they, they pulled out of... Myanmar, and it's like, fuck, so they're done. I mean, you want to talk about Walter White. I mean, these guys are out in the jungle, you know, making fucking eggs. All right, we interrupted Tor. So, Tor, sorry. Yeah, you did. So, um, (laughs) Uh, my my thoughts are the as follows. What were I? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tor. No, I didn't no, mean to do that. Just no, we won't okay. do it again, Tor. Talk never again. Now, never. Now, according to <laughs> Tom Hartman, who's radio show guy, the liberal and, and see liberal I, media. Yeah, he he's a liberal, and I don't know if we should trust him. Is that on? Is that on but, the mic? Yeah, in Madison, he, he's on the mic. Yeah. So this is left uh, wing, closer to center. I, I I haven't verified his sources, so I don't know if this is true. But he was saying that uh, John McCain and Lindsey Graham helped Saudi Arabians or Saudi Arabia or some connection with Saudi Arabia fund ISIS. What now has become ISIS? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and that's so, why I was making that joke because it's the same way that we funded 
yeah, uh, Osama bin Laden. I mean, we create these yeah. monsters, or uh, Saddam Hussein, right? Or we got all the radicalized madrasas in Pakistan when the Soviets were in Afghanistan. So yeah, I mean, shit bites you in the ass. I know. In the last episode, right. we were like, someone was saying, I don't mean isolationism, and part of me thinks maybe the U.S. could use a little isolationism in that we could focus more Tell on we, what's going on in our borders. Can and... we learn stuff? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, I'd like to be the new Charles Lindbergh for isolationism, and I'd like you to meet my six German families. Right. Well, no, I mean, well, I, th- I think not getting involved and not being the cop of the world. Well, that shit just seems to go on and on and on. Like, oh, I'll give you a good example. Did you gentlemen happen to see the Colbert Report last night? Last night, no. It was very, very good. It was one of those where, I mean, he's always really on, but this this was one of those that was just a gem all the way through. But I watched it because Henry Kissinger was on promoting his new book, World Order. And and I'm a total whore. I know I'm going to read it. I know I'm going to fucking read it. Yeah. Anyways, you know, he was on and... um, Was Was he just inflated? Was he like... No, no, he was actually just like this tiny little man. And he really, because he put on some jowl weight. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. <laughs> Last well, time I saw Kissinger, I was like, "Wow, you're really packing them on there, buddy." Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Laugh but, the sausages. But he was, <laughs> he was talking about how it's like, well, in the West, you know, we we uh, we support sovereign governments and we we don't interfere with other governments. Oh, we do? And it was like, really? No <laughs> really? shit. I, when did that is happen? that in World Order? Because I would like Vietnam? to read that part. <laughs> or any Before you created the problem in Vietnam? Or, <laughs> you know, or Chile? Or <laughs> And is yeah. it true, Henry, that there's so many countries you can't land because you'll be arrested as a <laughs> I know, I know, I know. God. Yeah, I'll have to, I will watch that today. I will totally watch yeah. that. Uh, yeah, that interaction must have been very interesting for Colbert and Kissinger. It was, wow. but it was. But the funny thing was because I mean, obviously he was leaving a lot out, and you know, when he was like doing a little bio on Henry, and he was like, you know, and then I was working for all these, you know, blood diamond gold companies <laughs> after I left the Nixon administration because that's a real resume builder. Right. <laughs> oh, that was one of the things with Rumsfeld. He kind of got out of the Nixon administrations before yes! everything went bad. Rumsfeld, yes. yeah. He's, he's, yeah he's rat a getting off a rat. shit. Yeah. <laughs> he knew when to jump. Oh, he's a fucking weasel, yeah, man. For sure. I mean, like I say, that's yeah. what I say. You, you got to watch that in like maybe half hour increments. Cause... All right, all right. You guys will uh, try to watch that. Well, I mean, you don't <laughs> have to. It's like a death sentence it is kind of a death sentence but by the time when it's when it's finally over you're kind of like oh (laughs) (laughs) let's turn on some muppets or something some shit but but so okay sitting marty croft we can find anyway on the isis thing i got two points go one i think every politician before they propose a middle eastern policy they should master the game of whack-a-mole first You know, just to give them a little thought and so they understand how it mean, works. like go to a Chuck E. Cheese and actually play whack-a-mole? Ma- play whack- whack-a-mole until you can win. Uh, just see just how many so you tickets g- you get and see what those tickets actually are worth. Right, yeah. You might get some x-ray specs. Ex- yeah, exactly. Maybe a slinky. but Maybe, maybe or really a little no plastic winning. ring, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my second point is, you know, if ISIS works on money i mean they yeah. need money to buy all their weapons and everything yes. so i think we really need to seriously look at 
where their money is coming from now. And I think it has multiple sources and not just... Most of which are probably considered our allies. In the yeah, we, we can't think narrow like, okay, what do we bomb? Well, that's not the only thing we can do. We can look at do economic things and, and maybe negotiate. And but bombing so much cleaner build. and if you kill kids, you don't see it. Well, yeah. you, you especially don't now. And that was another thing Kissinger said too, was he said, well... Um, you know, when the way to establish world order is when you have groups like ISIS, you make sure that they they can't harm other people and so forth. And it was like, yeah, but it's because of your bombing and everything else. You're, yeah. you're, you're trying – you're doing the same thing you did right. in Vietnam. You think that if you keep bombing and you keep bombing mm. and you keep bombing – that all of a sudden they're going to just say, well, fuck it, I'm just kind of tired of I it. I give up. No, you piss people off that's and they dig down dad, hard. Yeah. That's someone's brother, that's someone's father. I mean, there's, yeah, you're, you're murdering someone in the region and they are going to, there's going to be repercussions. You're not going to win people over. I mean, I, I hate to use, yeah. I hate to use this analogy, but I'm using it as a cautionary tale, not, all right, I'll just get to the point is that <laughs> if, if you think that, that by, the constant bombings and everything else that you're somehow drone attacks, whatnot, that somehow they're, they're going to just wear them down and they're going to say, okay, gosh, I don't know what got into me. I think I'll just Mm -hmm. have free and open elections now. And we'll just be a, this Western model of democracy. It reminds me of something when, um, the Mossad had captured Adolf Eichmann and they asked him, you know, at first Eichmann just like shut right up, but the prosecutor, was really smart. He played up to his ego and everything, and pretty soon Eichmann was just telling him everything that he ever wanted to know and then some. But one of the things that Eichmann said, or they asked him, he said, well, when the war was obviously turning against Germany and you could have used those troops and trains and resources to further your military campaigns, but you just kept you know, feeding the death camps, why did you do that? And he said, my feeling was is that if we did not wipe out every European Jew, that generations, if you just left one or two alive, that generations back will come back and they will seek revenge. You have to do it all or none. Mm-hmm. And that concept of like total genocide and total war is exactly what we seem to be kissing mm-hmm. constantly in, in that look – we were always uncomfortable with the word or term empire, even though we, we've done it in so many ways and continue to do it. But now it's just sad. Now we're mm-hmm. just this bloated military mm-hmm. that just has to keep finding conflict in order to keep the money machine printing. We have to find ways to live with other people that don't involve Something. killing them. So am I going to have yeah. to include the yeah. Eisenhower speech again in this podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it seems like we always go back to the Eisenhower speech. I like Ike. I do My too. bike likes Ike. I, yeah, I'd even put up with Ike Turner at this point. <laughs> yeah. just, just something. Well, I have to say Obama has been very disappointing. I mean, it's like, look, man, I, I normally like it when politicians um, – you know, are more forthright and to say, hey, you know, we're we're trying to do the best we can. We'll try to figure He's this out. He's not forthright. But instead he just comes out and says, well, I don't I don't really know. And, uh, well, I'll let you know in a couple of days. Yeah. And it's like, Jesus, dude, if, if this is all you got, yeah. that's sad. Yeah, he was going to shine a light on democracy when he, no. when he got office. Anyway, we don't have to. But, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's not even any, go Any there. campaign promise. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Shall we move on to the scientific method? We should discuss this. 
So the scientific method. Now we're we're not going to spend a huge amount of time on this. It's it's mainly the the point that we wanted to make was is that yes we do riff a lot yes we do have our opinions and yeah we do have a lot of fun sometimes but we'll, like we said before we've we've talked about atheism we've talked about uh just more or less rationally looking at the world around you and trying to make some sort of sense out of it but i think the main reason for doing the scientific method is is as uh, victor was saying earlier was uh how let's say the right or people with political agendas tend to use the word theory in a, in a pejorative fashion. Yeah. I think that's the main point yeah. about the actual application of scientific method in pop literature mm-hmm. <laughs> as an idea using the scientific method came up years ago and it was a, it was a Muslim who first uh, probably applied it when he was studying optics. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that was, I, I can't oh, yeah. pronounce his name. <laughs> Al Haytham, Abin Al Haytham. Yeah, so that guy, really cool. Uh, one of the first people who applied the scientific method in in the idea that whatever I do, I will lay out for you, and you don't have to believe me. Just replicate it. Mm-hmm. And he would lay out how he did any experiment, and then he would just say, right. "You don't have to take it on faith. Replicate what I did, and you'll see that it is true." Reproducibility of results, which is fantastic. And that was uh, what twelve twelve hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that was one of the things that always mm. impressed me about uh, the Buddha. You know, was just that, hey, don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. If it works, modify it. Try it a different mm-hmm. way. Not a whole lot of faiths say that. Right. <laughs> well, not that mm-hmm. Buddhism is a faith, but, you know, my he's considered a religious or holy person sure. and so forth. And it's like, yeah, reproducibility of results is very key. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can say it's, you know, witch, witch. <laughs> but right. it, it, it turned me into a newt. <laughs> I, I got better. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, one of my favorites, uh, Johannes Kepler. Kepler, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I don't even want to talk about what Kepler did. Well, you know, I I have this definition. It's it's a it's a quickie definition, but I think it really embodies it. What the scientific method? It's a body of techniques for investigating phenomena, acquiring new knowledge, or correcting and integrating previous knowledge. Right. The last part is key because, as you were saying earlier, you know, a There's lot a of few key terms. I mean, yeah, you start with a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Actually, to tell the truth, you start with a guess. Yeah. You, you look at the world, you look at what's going on, right. and a hypothesis is not a guess. A hypothesis is an educated guess. I mean, yeah. and, and some scientists hate even hearing that. I mean, so what we want to say is mm-hmm. a, even a hypothesis mm-hmm. is not just a, a stab in the dark, but you start and, with an and idea. It, maybe even before you get to the guess, you're, you're doing a lot of observation, so you're yes. you're you're looking at you know whatever you're studying you know nature the stars or or whatever physical phenomenon you're studying and 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 from your observation you start to see trends and 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 then you you come up with a guess your hypothesis of you formulate what, a specific question what causes what yeah right and then you have to figure out to weigh a method to test that hypothesis hypothesis 
and uh, see whether or not it holds up. Right. I mean, you you have to formulate. You have to begin with formulating a specific question on what phenomena you're trying to investigate. For instance, you can't just ask, "Well, what's the meaning of life, the universe, and everything?" You you have to 42, specify. 42, you know, yeah. 40, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then you form a hypothesis on what you think might be, and then. Uh, you know, move on to yeah. prediction, testing, analysis, reproducibility. And a, a lot of this comes down to uh, documentation mm-hmm. and sharing that documentation with everybody. Like, for instance, uh, one that always comes back to me is, I, I want to say it was about 10, 15 years ago when they, um, these two scientists were talking about cold fusion. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, <laughs> but we're Completely. not going to tell you exactly how we yeah. did it. And, yeah. 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 Well, and, and that's what that's what's happening on Kickstarter and a lot of these other places. And, and yeah. there have been bans put on certain things uh, to stop this. But the idea is people are not showing their work and then saying, well, fund us because we're going to do this really great thing. Right. And then mm-hmm. they get all this money and then they can't do the really great That's thing. That's the old Grant Flim Flam. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's really some just uh-huh. awesome. Um, there can be scams grifting. in every area. Yeah, it's great. Area. Oh, oh, yeah. And yeah. exactly. And the fact that some of these even get funded is, I mean, I mm-hmm. know that uh, a former Wisconsin senator, Bill Proxmire, always used to have the Golden Fleece Award mm-hmm. where he would he would say, oh, can you believe this was funded? You know, like, you know, how do bees made or something sure. like that. But sure. You know, we there's the ignobles um, every year. There's yeah. the ignobles, and you know, my favorite are you know someone did a whole study on fish farting. That's yeah. fucking awesome. Someone yeah. studied wow. perch farts, yeah. and I'm like, that is just totally awesome. <laughs> he just got him on the fish fart can. What do you? We what gotta do you do know. For a living? Yeah, I, I study perch farting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the farting habits of perch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just awesome that someone is trying to investigate the world and understand it better in the form of fish farting. I mean. Just the idea that yeah. I know sure. I know some people think that's blindly wasteful, but quite often science, if you're trying to figure out what's causing breast cancer or whatever yeah. your thing is that you're interested in, it's usually a detour research project that finds out the actual things are very cure. interrelated. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there there's some ways like even medications. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's usually sideways that we figure out the medications do certain actions. Mm-hmm. And so so it's it's often not the primary funding yeah. that's well, creating it's like your... 3M's post-it note, you know, right. they were they're making some glue and it didn't work too well. Yeah. And then they figured hey. out, "Hey, wait hey. a minute." <laughs> so so in a way I understand the libertarian uh, idea of well, we shouldn't be funding perch farting. I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I, I have nothing against Maybe that. yes, maybe no. <laughs> right. Maybe this will fuel our future. But I don't know if I'd want to do it, but, you in know. 200 years. God's me, John Glenn. We'd have to <laughs> look at science as not just in the cost-benefit analysis. Um, exactly, exactly. We right. have to look at science. Well, what I was... Learning is good. I mean, that yeah. really is one of the greatest things humans have done is actually learn how their environment but works. Poor. And yes. The benefit part of the cost-benefit analysis would be learning. I mean, learning would expand your cost-benefit. Your benefit would be huge right. because yeah. you're encapsulating what Pure you Pure research learn. will probably have a use right. for it, some it other set but, of things. But but it's really hard to quantify what that will be beforehand. Individually. Right. Yeah. And, and So it yeah. might look foolish yeah. and con- out of context. Sure, sure. Right. But, but it yeah. t- may turn out that the perch farts, you know, somehow <laughs> solve global warming. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we it's don't know. really gassy perch, exactly. you know. Yeah, I mean, well, I know they like tried to blame it on cow farts for a long time. And but, 
Yeah. And, and in America right now, there's a giant boom and bust with uh, scientific funding. And mm-hmm. I don't want to play into the libertarians' hands here and just talk about cost-benefit money, but it is very tight to get funding for any re- research oh, sure. that you're doing right now, especially yeah. with what happened about two years ago with scientific funding. Anyway, researchers in the peer review system are working a lot on their hypotheses. And what I want to mention about hypotheses, it's very important that you put your hypothesis out there first because otherwise it's a fishing expedition. Mm-hmm. And and that's a term that a lot of people hear, and I don't know that mm-hmm. everyone fully understands, but a fishing expedition is you start looking at something and then you look at your answers and then you build your hypothesis on what you found. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's a there's a real risk for that kind of research of confirmation bias and finding something that you're kind of looking for, right? Uh, and then building yeah. your models around what you've already found. So it's really yeah. important to the scientific method that you formulate a hypothesis, then you start conducting research. And that's in, in uh, when I was in college, when I was studying econometrics, mm-hmm. the, even on an economic theory, they recommended you know you establish what your thing is first, then you run the numbers and see whether <laughs> or not it matches. But now you know you hear terms like data mining. And stuff like that. So there's well, if you torture the numbers long enough, they'll tell you anything. <laughs> right. Well, that's true. Yeah, that is so, true. You know, maybe in some areas there is some value to those techniques, but that that's not the traditional way of no. doing it. And there is great danger in getting a wrong conclusion. Right. It, it's fun right. though. It's fun though. I will tell yeah. you, I've been on fishing expeditions. They're very fun, and I haven't published on fishing expeditions, but they're they're fun. Did yeah. I say they're fun? They're fun. Yeah. Um, because yeah. you get a chance to do some initial uh, looking at your data, but it's not what you'd want to be publishing on. What you really want to be looking at is here's my question, uh, and then here's how I went about looking at True. How, to, how to answer that question. Yeah. And in the different mm-hmm. sciences, just, there's different levels of certitude that you can reach. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the scientific method is when you use it, you usually end up at scientific theories. And then those theories can sometimes be proven. And especially in classical physics, uh, people like Newton were creating laws and they were deciding that, you know, this is a universal truth and this is right. something that we know as a law, like uh-huh. Newton's law of gravity. And this was, a, this was a certitude that was usually reached and way more commonly reached in mathematical models because mm-hmm. you could mathematically state you know, X equals the yeah. planets move this way, but until general and special relativity theory came along, it really didn't explain everything very well. You had to kind of cook the books in order to explain planetary motion and so forth correctly. Right. Yeah. So, and that's, that's where, that's why so many things stay a theory. Cause looking back now at, uh, Isaac Newton, a kind of like, well, you, did, you, you didn't really know enough to make that a law, did you? <laughs> you, you, you know, because we have well, so much more physics now. And, right. and so we don't know how many, how much more we'll have yeah, in a hundred years in, in the future. I mean, when the to, iPhone 12 comes out, so iPhone 12, yeah, <laughs> that's what about that'll six months. Sorry. Yeah, it'll, it'll have the little wormhole app. <laughs> wormhole. Yeah, <laughs> wee, wee. take me to Mercury. <laughs> well, you know, because in a large and and you know beyond the replication of results, you also have external review and the the data. Right, the right. data recording and sharing. So obviously, like data recording and sharing, and Newton's time was more or less like, okay, yeah, you could show the equations and everything, but not necessarily. Dear Sir Isaac Newton, yeah, 
You, sir, are a douchebag. <laughs> Actually, he was a cool dude. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. Newton was a very cool dude. Let's be but, clear. But, he's not really in the tank, right? I don't right know no, 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 no. that you actually went but, on yeah. the Tower of Pisa <laughs> and dropped several objects. That seems weird. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. with Newton, you got to say two things. Number one, the period of time when he was doing a lot of his work. And of course, this is, you know, British Empire and so forth. Everything had this, you know, sense of hierarchy and law and, and you know, this was the natural order of things yeah. and so forth. And wasn't that also the, the first hair metal band period? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think glam rock started. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, because those paintings are awesome. I yeah, mean, yeah. like Leywin Hook and Newton. And it's like, that is like Howard Stern hair. Yeah, yeah. But, um... And also, Newton spent probably more of his life studying alchemy and the Bible. And I mean, he he was definitely like one of those geniuses that if you didn't keep his shit focused, he'd be one of these guys that like would mathematically work out the New York subway system. (laughs) Yeah, he'd be like studying New York subway schedules, you know, Uh day and night or something. And yeah, that was definitely his thing. So you can't say he was all just sitting there thinking, you know, these great universal truths and thoughts he was mm-hmm. also trying to turn lead into gold and it's really fascinating because i mean a lot of people say that gravity is a law and newton declared gravity a law and these kind of things are are, are fascinating because like you were saying the special well general relativity and then special relativity mm-hmm. you know came up even later and uh then it became a theory because well, I don't know that it's actually going to be a law because of the way that time yeah. space actually works. What is your and, and actually, we don't understand how time space actually works. The yeah. idea that we do not understand gravity yet—I mean, that's fascinating and exciting. That's it. I mean, that's I mean, that's yeah. the big key, really, in you, a lot of things. Yeah, and yeah, and, and we're, we call this the theory of everything that people like Einstein worked very hard to try to figure out a theory of everything. Unified field. Yeah, yeah, and and the idea that we don't know what a graviton might be, but it's suspected to exist, and and so mm-hmm. so the fact that we haven't figured it out yet leaves things like gravity. Gravity itself is still a theory, and yeah. the point is, it's not just a theory it is a scientific theory which is mm-hmm. different than you know joe schmo on the train saying i got a theory about uh blizzard people they're lizard people they yeah. people run everything <laughs> right that's now, different than actual well conspiracy theory is, is a whole <laughs> yeah. i mean because okay see, well, no, maybe that, they're no, bringing us all down that that is no, i think we should stop doing conspiracy that's theory a, that's an, <laughs> you know i'm honestly how, I, how i'm so past the point where... conspiracy dumbery <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the the phrase conspiracy theory is good to bring up because what we were t- discussing earlier was is that a proper application of the scientific method, nothing is truly a law because it's always going to be reviewed on the right. basis of new evidence. Yet, Evolution will never be a law. Yet, no, okay, but no. here's here's the point with the theory of gravity. Okay, it's just a theory, but trust me, you're in no danger of suddenly just floating up into space. Right. Yeah, I mean, it is working on us. There are certain assumptions right. we can make, right? <laughs> and, and see, the I think that what we're get, where this jumps into, where it jumps into politics and and government decisions and all that kind of thing, is you have other theories such as the theory of evolution, mm-hmm. 
and which is pretty much basically as well established as the theory is well, of you, gravity. You can say it's a oh, theory of evolution, it, but it's also a it, fact. And scientists right, don't talk like, about it just as like a, gravity is fact. Exactly. Right. Scientists talk about evolution right. as a fact. They say evolution's a fact. It's happening. Uh, and the theory of evolution describes ways that it's happening. Mm-hmm. So, so they don't see it as just a theory. They see it as right. a fact. Okay. And so scientific right. theories That's a good point. are generally seen as fact if there's enough. And, and uh, okay, I won't interrupt you. You go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you make a good point because, I mean, there is different parts to it. We can clearly show that, uh, I mean, really establish this fact that species evolve. And um, but my point was um, the, the, the science behind evolution is is huge, just as it is with gravity. Now, granted, there might be some other little things that happen, like, you know, we found out Mm -hmm. with the subatomic particles and everything with the the gravitron and everything like that. But, but, you know, we we can take the theory of evolution to the bank. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a mountain of evidence, fossil records, you name it. Right. So it's, 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 and then, yeah. But so you cannot equate it with something like the theory of creationism, which right. has essentially stories that... Well, they're a set of beliefs and a values. set of that, beliefs. And, see, and, see, for, for one and, thing, that I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just yeah. wanted to add the point that what always I always find a great uh, point of irritation with is when people try to incorporate creationism with evolution. You know, it's like, again, this yeah. is beyond the scope of the original formulated question and hypothesis how do species change how right. do they evolve how do they die out how do they they're they're really i mean what if uh, there's people how come there's still monkeys yeah exactly right. so you see I mean, okay. well, how, how do bananas work that's crazy <laughs> you know <laughs> bananas atheists checkmate here's the if if you if you want to believe that god created the earth Perhaps you might believe that God created Earth through the evolutionary process. Now, now that's fine, but when we have public schools, public schools should be teaching the science, which is the theory of evolution. The theory of creationism is essentially a religious belief structure. So that doesn't really belong in the public schools yes. like the theory of evolution does yet we have so many politicians well, so many people trying to set them up as equal and well, that's it, the pejorative use of the word theory you're making yeah. it sound like it's something that people came up with just yesterday right well instead of 100 yeah. over 150 years of well-documented evidence and like i say fossil records and so well, forth and that's right. why i think we we lean and i lean i lean everything really in my life i lean on the scientific method mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. It, I, I've never found a way that it doesn't create informational usefulness. It can fail. It's not a perfect It's not perfect methodology. That, that's what I was going to point out is it's yeah. not perfect and it does mm-hmm. rely on some form of faith. You mm-hmm. need to have faith that your calculations were right, faith that the universe exists, faith you know that certain things are in place and happening and mm-hmm. that – Faith is built on a mountain of other people already doing some testing and work, you know, right. in the pile of literature that you're working on. And that's why it's such – the scientific method is applied in so many different sciences that it helps delineate how scientists work. And, you know, mm-hmm. you work in this field. I work in that field. And, and therefore, I work on this mountain of data. And mm-hmm. I know 
uh, because I have faith in the other research that's already been conducted that I'm okay to make a conjecture in this direction about this item. And therefore, hypotheses tend to expand on the actual depth of knowledge that we have on a certain subject. Right. Whereas faith is, you know, the religious faith is, you know, this book was written years ago, and I have faith that it's the word of God, you know, and, and so there's a, there's a whole different meaning to the, even the word faith has a different mm-hmm. meaning in how a scientist tends to apply it in into using the scientific method, because every human walking on this earth has to make assumptions. You have to have faith that the pavement is in front of your foot every step you take. You have to believe in certain things. So mm-hmm. I, I hear that argument sometimes that, well, scientific method is just another faith-based system. Well, yeah, it is an actual to, system of... But it uh, is a system. I- ...inquiry mm-hmm. into the nature of the, the universe There's itself. systemic inquiry and review, right. and that's... But like I say, there, there are several stages where this can, in fact, break down. But generally, when you get to the mm-hmm. replication, external review, and the data recording and sharing... Those generally are the ones that are kind of the deal breakers mm. if you really haven't shown your work properly or you haven't done your homework. Yeah, and, things won't hold up in well, the repeated right. uh, testing and that kind of thing. And, and getting back to what you were saying earlier, Tor, about creationist theory being a set of, of beliefs and so forth, uh, religious beliefs as opposed to, and I was starting to say earlier about conspiracy theory. Now, conspiracy theory to me almost seems like... To me, conspiracy theory is is like a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's um, it's a way for people to feel more knowledgeable, empowered in a world where they're truly not. Yeah, and 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 that is almost as uh, I mean, people can be incredible zealots about a particular set of conspiracy theories, even more so than religious theories, mm-hmm. you know, right. or, or stories and belief systems and so forth. Because mm-hmm. to me, <clears throat> conspiracy theory is one of those things that it's it's like schizophrenic paranoia. It, sure. it opens a door to it, almost like anything. It absolutely does. And I mean, it's, so we have fun with them. And there's some that you sit there and you look at them and you go, oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Like, oh, God, the other day I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is not a conspiracy theory. No, no. Okay. okay. I, I just very briefly. I'm flipping <clears throat> through the channels. Don't and mention course, ancient aliens. Oh, uh, I'm going to have to. God damn it. <laughs> so. So now, so now they had Sukalis climbing up a Buddhist stupa. And and of course the, the the ancient alien theorists always have this thing called misunderstood technology. So you know it can't be like <laughs> a pyramid can't be just like a human being sees a mountain and thinks that's where God lives. So if I build a mountain, I'll be a god. No, this is clearly like oh fuck, there's pyramids everywhere. This couldn't happen just you know simultaneously. Right. Yeah. Well, he's, except for the fact that uh, over 200 preschools, you have small toddlers independently building pyramids, yeah. un- unknowing about the work of the other toddlers. Not to mention, <laughs> I, I made some great With Lego blocks, architecture, yeah. uh, many of which were pyramids. Right. Yeah. There you go. And well, so he was climbing up onto uh, onto a Buddhist stupa. And I don't know if you're familiar with the the it's it's a, essentially a, a tomb or a religious uh, building, usually in the Buddhist faith, and it it has a kind of a square base and then this kind of round dome, 
and then this kind of uh, tower on mm-hmm. top of it all. And usually they'll have like the eyes of Buddha on it or something like that. So, of course, he starts going on and on about. So now he's out on the road. He's not just sitting in his weird little room talking about everything being ancient aliens. Please go back to your room. Now he's, yeah. <laughs> now he's out in the middle of, of God knows where looking at, at Buddha stupas and saying, well, clearly this is a UFO. So I, I could make an equal case that it looks like a tit. You know, I mean, it. it no, it's an alien tit. <laughs> yeah, it's an alien tit. But well, now, what would, it, what would a person want to build more? I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. know. But the thing, yeah. the thing is, is, yeah, exactly. Start building the tank right alien tit. So, so now Sukalis can't just sit in there as a person who works for the Von Donnegan Institute. Now Von Donnegan has got to be in the show because I guess he felt he wasn't, you know, getting enough airtime. Like you've already gotten what, like 40 years off of that shit novel, uh. that shit book and, and movie, which I unfortunately saw on, you know, food day at the local theater. You know, I brought in an old can of yams and I watched Chariots of the Gods. And it wasn't, frankly, I felt I got screwed. But anyways, so now, so now Von Donnegan's in there, you know, he's going, like, well, clearly you can see that this is, and it's like the same old Clearly you can bullshit. see Clearly you can see right. R2-D2 but but let's see, see the, the analyst, in the Aztec sculptures. Yeah the, yeah, the research has to be much deeper than, you know, that, that, that's where they lose it. Well, I, that's, I think, that's, that's not science. That's just infotainment. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- that's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying is that in a sense it becomes a conspiracy theory because then the whole thing is like Roswell or what have you mm-hmm. that, you know, again, yeah. I'll, I'll take the whole UFO phenomena and, and just put it, I don't care if they're ancient, I don't care if they're in the 20th century or even fairly recently, mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. they fucking land <laughs> right. and say, take me to your leader. I don't yeah. care. No, even you're on the same side as Feynman on this one. I, I mean, because, yeah, I mean... Yeah, unless there's real proof, then there's no yeah. way to say Unless it. they're waving out yeah. the fucking saucer window. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I, you know, I'm all for searching for aliens, but let's be yeah. scientific about exactly it. Exactly so. Yeah. Exactly so. And, if, you, if you want to talk about <clears throat> SETI or something like that, yes, fine. And and one but, of the, the list, litmus tests that I kind of have for, I guess, looking at, at religion or these other, you know, ancient aliens, uh, theory of this and that, is... Is that religion or whatnot accepted? Does it accept the scientific theory and and science and embraces what science discovers right. and mm-hmm. you know might incorporate that in their religion, saying that's well, you know, for what you know, it might be the work of their god or whatever. But it, do they accept the science or do they fight the science? And if they're fighting the science, then that I have a real problem with that. Well, you know what I mean? I'll tell you what. I'll give you a good – yeah, I understand. And I'll, yeah, I'll give you yeah, another true. example. One that I've often seen is uh, in human anthropology. Mm-hmm. Uh, human anthrop- – I mean anthropology itself, like with evolution – is is not a very old science, and certainly there were a lot, a lot of mistakes made. You know, a lot of times these were just uh, bored, um, wealthy people who would just go like tear assing through and and not you know lay out a grid, not you know take a toothbrush and just you know move everything away and then try to incorporate it and everything. They're just like, yeah, that looks yeah. like a royal tomb. I'm gonna bash right in there and yeah. see what I can find. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. but, but the point being is that there were always these accepted areas of of the human story. You know, for instance, that like Neanderthals and Cro-Magnon uh, or modern man, you know, 
coexisted for a very short period of time and more than likely is not modern man wiped out Neanderthal. Recent evidence seems to show that Neanderthal might have been around coexisting with modern man for as long as 5,000 years and it was not a... Wow. Yeah, coexisting, yeah. coexisting. <laughs> yeah. Not great looking, but <laughs> hey, what the hell? It's Saturday night, and I ain't got no money. <laughs> I, I just yeah. got, I just got paid. But but the point, you know, getting back, I'm to, going to Neanderthal <laughs> strip joint tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's cheaper. <laughs> They're big girls. Three eggs. Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but they might have coexisted for like 5,000 years and there was no genocide. It was simply that the climate had changed. You had a new ice age coming on. And it seems like the Neanderthal tool record started to show that, yeah, since you were around modern man, that your tool, that, you know, Neanderthals were around much longer than modern man has been around. You know, oh, yeah. They, they were around for like 200,000 years. But. Wow. They probably coexisted for now as long as five thousand years. Simply, and we're picking up a lot of stuff from modern man. But since and they modern were, man was like, "Get off my lawn!" <laughs> well, no, no, no. The, the, but they were competing for the same resources in the same area, and with an ice age coming on, and they were yummy. There were more. There were more modern men <laughs> reproducing, and less Neanderthals until finally. Yeah. So I mean, it was an evolution thing. In evolution, come on! Yeah, th- then we just wipe them out. Come on, we wipe the. Floor I know. I kind of. I kind of like the whole genocide theory better too. <laughs> yeah, but no, but th- this but, makes more sense now. But, the, but that's right. another thing with the evolution. It it does. One species doesn't suddenly magically replace the other. It's like boing, no, 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 no. It's it's usually they just coexist. There's and then, competition. And, and one slowly get, becomes more successful. Exactly. But I, but I do yeah. want to point out part of part of the scientific method of looking at this kind of thing is is I'm always open to change. I'm always open to changing mm-hmm. my opinion. Like if a, a theory was out there for a long enough period of time that uh, Neanderthal was, you know, killed by, you know, homo sapiens, then I'd be like, oh, that's really cool. That's really interesting. And then if that theory is challenged in the literature and it's reviewed and shown to have merit and blah, 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 <laughs> uh, I would change my opinion immediately because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, the science is in. Right. Hey, there's new science. It's in. Yeah. Let's check well, it out. Okay. This is a new yeah. way to look at things, and it's right. exciting, and it's not threatening. It's exciting, and it's right. good because now I feel like, ooh, I've got the latest yeah. uh, on the literature, and I know what's up with that situation or yeah. whatever. The no, of course, if you were is. hosting at NeanderthalGenocide.com and were, you, you know, that <laughs> I'm was. I'm very displeased. That was your whole, probably, that whole means business you've probably was been to. Purchased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he may not have a web on it yet, but I bet you it's been purchased. Yeah, yeah. somebody will in probably the next few weeks. Yeah, but uh, you, you know, and, and your whole life was based on selling T-shirts on the old theory. That then you might <laughs> want to forever. You you might actually <laughs> want to subsidize one of the scientists, the 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 minority scientists that were uh, supporting that theory, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and try to get it in the into the public uh, realm. To keep sure. it established so your website keeps making money. But but science but, generally doesn't work that way. When scientists get discredited or a scientist well, – and, and I've worked on some papers where your research shows that no, what you're doing has no value. politics works that way. I know. I mean you, we look at the tobacco I know. lobby. I know. We look at the, uh, the uh, one that was covered on the 
Cosmo shows was that the lead, mm-hmm. leaded gasoline, they, they put forth the scientists to argue with the scientists that said, you know, putting lead in our gasoline is really bad. That's where when it comes to real life, you have to learn when you're being manipulated. Well, you have to watch out but, for this and idea. And we're seeing this right now with global warming. Or, and Sure. Oh, yeah. global warming. I, I have a, global I have a warming, side story on global warming. Listen yeah. to this right now because I need okay. to talk. All right. Okay. I've been silent for too long. All right, then. I, Would it be okay if I interrupted you right now? No. no. <laughs> I like, you know, you really don't ask that question. You just do it. Yeah. <laughs> you, oh, you see, work, I don't get that you yet. You kind of interrupting thing. <laughs> just, just step all over whatever I'm saying. No matter how important it might sound, just jump on it. Michael well, Crichton. now I know what you want to say. Michael Crichton, the say. Michael Crichton. Oh, I yeah. used to like Michael Crichton. Really? Yes, when I was a teenager, I used to well, like Michael yeah. Crichton. Okay. And, and Drama Street. Street. Uh, Congo was a good Jurassic movie. Park, right? Jurassic yeah. Farce. Great <laughs> yeah. film. 13th Warrior. Whatever, yeah. So anyway, he wrote a novel called State of Fear. Mm-hmm. And he is a, he's a libertarian or whatever, but he, he's a giant global warming denier. Mm-hmm. And he ripped into uh, global warming as a conspiracy. He's dead, uh, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not going to be writing the show about <laughs> how we treated him in, in this episode. Uh, but he's a he's a big giant douchebag, mm-hmm. and he writes really good, riveting science fiction genre yeah. work. Yeah, and, and you know, pilot of ER. I mean, the guy the guy had had talent. He knew how to write riveting stuff. But he wrote a, a state of fear was this uh, global warming denial bullshit tract. He attacked global warming as a bunch of scientists working to create this. And anyway, he talked about it being a theory and he talked about how consensus is bullshit and scientists don't need consensus. And um, wow, he, he atta- you know, and, and, and in a way. Hmm. In a way, the word consensus might be the problem, but he was talking about how science doesn't require consensus. Science is science, and it's right or it's wrong, and consensus is for politicians. And you you can go to the web right now and read the exact oh, yeah, you I'm know, sure, but attack but on the, consensus. There again, then you're making it this hierarchical yeah. belief system right. rather he's, than— He's completely wrong, yeah. and, and consensus is very important to science. Oh, well, of course. So 97% mm-hmm. of scientists are on board with uh, mm-hmm. global warming. We believe it's man-made, it's man-driven. We're creating it. Climate has things that it's doing. There's little ice ages and things happening, but, mm-hmm. but science is confirmed. 97% of scientists have a consensus— and and when we talk about that kind of consensus, it's there's research paper over research paper falling over themselves saying the same thing is true and happening. Right. And in a way, that's consensus. Uh, mm-hmm. So if 99% of scientists are saying one thing, then it's probably going that way in the scientific community and peer mm-hmm. review. And these are peer-reviewed articles. They're saying that because there is it, yeah, the that, evidence. Yeah, there is the, the proof is there, there. And it's happening. That's right. Yeah. So, so this is hilarious. He got taken down by a uh, writer, Michael Crowley, took him down for that. He's like, this is bullshit. This is a ridiculous. State of Fear is a horrible novel, and here's why. And and he's a Yale graduate, and he's he was in his 30s, late 30s or early 40s, right? So Crowley takes him down, and then in the next novel – called uh i don't know next i think i think that's actually the title of the novel michael crichton <laughs> creates a character called mick crowley <laughs> not michael crowley but mick crowley and how mick crowley uh in like it's it's very few pages of the novel there's no reason that this character even exists there's nothing to do with the plot 
Mick Crowley uh, goes and watches his sister's uh, young son, who's like two years old, and has an irresistible urge to rape the child. And tears the diaper off and rapes a child boy with his very small penis. And, <laughs> like, f- for, like, three pages of the novel, this Mick Crowley... And he even mentions that this Mick Crowley character is a Yale graduate, right? <laughs> and and just just makes this guy a child rapist. And then just moves on in the story and other stuff happens, you know? Wow. And And Mick Crowley was like... Or see, there I go, Michael Crowley. <laughs> oh my God, I was just completely slandered and libeled by Michael Crichton for no, you know, that was his response because you just disagreed with you him. disagreed with me. So yeah. now I'm a child rapist in your next novel, and but you see those kind of posts on Facebook all it's the time. Amazing dickery. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it is. But you know, the, <laughs> you know, getting sorry. I just I just wanted to point out Michael Crichton and and other people in popular culture. They have opinions about things and then they apply them and and apply pressure to their opinions and michael crichton's a dick that's 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 all i have to say they they (laughs) might become respected for one reason or another or beloved because they've written some books or some books that have become movies or something but doesn't really mean you're a scientist doesn't really mean you understand everything that you're writing about but Uh you know getting back to archaeology or uh, anthropology for just a bit um you know when you get down to the consensus too i mean there there are times when People can hold on to a consensus maybe longer than they should as well. Like I know one of the one of the real sacred cows is is of course the uh, Bering Strait land bridge mm-hmm. for how Siberians came across and you know became Native Americans <clears throat> and whatnot. Until you start to find other people like you know the Kennewick man in in Washington State and everything, and it's like, well, uh, how do you explain this? And but it's not enough to overturn the whole thing. But what's what's interesting is that uh, underwater archaeology has become very popular in the last, you know, well, probably. Did they find Atlantis yet? Yeah, that's what no, I'm they, thinking. They didn't find they Atlantis. Gotta find Atlantis. Come on. They well, should. but the the thing is, <laughs> yeah. is that Just make it up because uh, a yeah. lot of coastal land has gone underwater sure. through earthquake or flooding oh, the or theory what have of you. plate tectonics, right? Yeah. <laughs> then I mean, it's happening. It's a fact, but it's still a theory. Plate well, tectonics, right? But the, but there there is mm-hmm. evidence from from some of these you know some of these underwater digs, if if you want to call it that, that. Uh, you know, ancient man moved around a lot more than we gave them credit for. It wasn't that you just said, "Okay, I'm just going to stay in this village," and that was probably aliens. Died. Yeah, it was probably aliens. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's one of the reasons yeah. that the ancient alien people <laughs> I know piss me uh-huh. off so much uh, is but because I love to just mention it every. They just, I get. you know, it's like they weren't <laughs> stupid. I mean, they just didn't have the same tools that you have. Right. They weren't stupid. They had, you know, the same brains we had, yeah, and they had right. legs. I mean, humans are capable of ships. walking yeah. many miles every day, and you, yeah. if you do that for your I've whole life, many you're gonna... miles to get to Neanderthal stripper joint, <laughs> right? So so you find yourself in Did a I very different place. Only three eggs to enter. Yeah, and can only you imagine what it'd be like with living with Neanderthals? <laughs> I mean, people get so uppity with the fact that we have different races, you know. Right. But it'd be like, my neighbor's a Neanderthal. Uh, yeah. You know, what I mean, it's just <laughs> <laughs> well, there are. I have met some people, and they're like, "Damn, yeah." <laughs> Maybe that strain every once in a while kind of rises to the surface more than I thought, but yeah. But getting back, but to, maybe they got along back then, and I don't this, know. Well, I'm sure there probably was something. I'm sure some did, yeah. Marriage, whatever, but yeah. 
you know, it's it's not a perfect. People can still draw the long wrong conclusions. It can become um, a beloved paradigm or belief system, even though it was proven in this way. In other words, right. it, it can the external review of new evidence can sometimes be harder to overturn something but, that's been standing for a while. Even for scientists, it it it's very easy to switch from science to belief if it's truly something you cherish well, right well, i mean yeah well that's the thing is you you do create belief because once something is established you tend to believe in it i believe in evolution it is established it is a fact it is happening yeah. i believe in it but the reason it's a theory is honestly we don't understand everything and another thing another way to think about this is Scientific laws are usually broken down to mathematical structures that are very, very minute, and mm-hmm. they usually only apply in certain situations. Like, let's take equals MC squared is a scientific law about the, tr- the speed of light, but it's the speed of light in a vacuum. So only under these very specific conditions, this is a law. It is something that currently in the universe is happening. Mm-hmm. So we call that a law. And I bet you any money that's a theory. Because the way the universe is working, the way the universe does work, uh, the speed of light actually changes. If you go back 14 billion years toward the beginning, mm-hmm. the speed of light was different. And and now it is what it is. And we, we're calling it a law. And, and that that's the same thing about Newtonian uh, you know, laws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're no longer laws because Einstein figured out hundreds of years later that, well, they're special in general relativity, yeah. well, and these are things we don't But sorry, folks, understand. it's not going to work if you try to argue with yeah. the cop and say, I thought it was the speed limit theory, yeah. and... Well, that's uh, the thing about yeah. laws. That's the thing about laws. I think, I think scientists are now more timid about calling anything a law. You, mm-hmm. you don't have yeah. laws of this or laws of that. And another way to think about scientific theory is a scientific law is and I, I saw this analogy online a while back a scientific law is more like a slingshot you put something in it and it pow it does one thing that's what it does it's, it's an odd analogy but think of it like a scientific theory being more like a car and there's many different things going on and lots of parts yeah there's lots of moving parts and there's a lot of different things going on that sure. create the yeah. the movement in the direction so and there's Chevy cars and there's Lamborghini cars. Right. And, yeah. and if one little thing is wrong in that structure, then it it's wrong in that instance. So if a cable is broken or something, then that cable needs to be rethought. And so yeah. your scientific theory is a very complicated uh, discussion about how something is occurring, whereas a law is a straightforward pow this is a thing that is observed and we're calling it a law. And and by the way, even NASA uses Newton's laws of you know gravitation motion and, and motion. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you it's, know, of they you use his shorthand calculations because they are just perfectly They're accurate for what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Um but yeah, That's how we got to the moon. Exactly. I've I've honestly never understood why why religious people felt so threatened by evolution. I mean, again, because in a way science seems to me, it, it, it starts revealing God. If you, if you believe in God, well, the more we learn, the more honestly, we believe. Oh, um, I had a physics okay. professor. I, I, I pinned him down. Yeah. I was like, look, I don't understand why you can believe in, you know, even then I was like, I don't understand why you can believe in God and 
science and he's like well look maybe god just created everything and you know at the time i wasn't like well then who created god because <laughs> i was well, like but there's yeah. your conundrum right there but but right. there again yeah i mean a lot of a lot of the early muslim scientists like um that guy's name that we have trouble pronouncing. ibn al haytham mm-hmm. i think that you know they they used the religious explanation is a way to, I think, you know, to continue studying. You know, it's like when you, you're surrounded by very religious people, you say, yes. well, perhaps this is just better understanding the face of God. Well, let's yeah, not forget you, he was jailed. To... He was jailed, and that's why he ended up studying optics, because yeah. he was jailed, and, and it gave him an opportunity yeah. to become a great scientist. Well, I'm, and you, I'm just yeah. saying that religion did have some effect on him. But again, you, you, have, to, you, have, to have, to, you have to justify the grant money. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of evolution is explaining or trying to explain, and I think does a very, very good job of it. A very specific set of questions, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. does it threaten religion? I don't. I think everything threatens religion. I, well, that's what I'm saying. Is that you know? Then you, you, I yeah. mean, you cannot think that, but I, th- I think it does. I mean, Big Bang yeah. theory. Uh, that's a scientific theory. We think the universe started wow. around 14 billion years ago, but. Right. It threatens the belief in, you know, your deity unless you can, you know, unless the pope or whoever is No, you is can in always charge. you can always work God in somehow. Yeah. I sure, mean that's sure. that's go not... ahead and go ahead and do it especially with multiverses and the idea that sure. there's even a possibility right. that we're living in some kind of a created universe as it is. I mm-hmm. mean there there's thoughts that right. maybe we're in some kind of a matrix at the moment. So again, right. it's not a perfect method, but again we we try to stress Use a system of rational inquiry and question those questions and question your system. I think people should push mm-hmm. back against others who are saying that, you know, X is just a theory. If you ever run into that idea that something right. is just a theory, ask them to name a law because there's very few nowadays. Oh, there's some few. classical right. laws and there's some physics and chemistry laws. There's things that are called laws. But quite honestly, mm-hmm. We do not currently have a proper understanding of quantum mechanics, and we we oh, don't no. understand. We don't have gravity fully understood. We don't have. No. Uh, there, there's all kinds of mm-hmm. ways that quantum mechanics could change anything. Every, every time they fire up that LHC, <laughs> it pretty much shoots a lot of shit down. I mean, yeah. the big thing was just finding the existence of the Higgs boson. Now you got it. Now they don't know what the fuck to do. With you know, why it was called the God particle. Because it was supposed to impart mass. To... No, he was calling it the goddamn particle because it was the <laughs> particle that, he, you know, I know it's there, but goddamn it, we can't find it. And he's like, that goddamn particle. So it wasn't considered the god particle. It was the goddamn particle. So that, but the, oh, well, the, we're going to ignore that he called it the goddamn particle. So the editor cleaned it up, yeah, probably. Yeah. So that became the god particle. It's yeah. going to find God. No, it's but not I mean, it, it comes down to Rumsfeld. I mean, there's a lot of unknown knowns and... And known unknowns and unknown unknowns. Oh, and, and, you oh, know, it's just, oh don't God. make me watch that, you guys. I don't. You know, I it was it. tough, man. I'm not going to say it wasn't because it's 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 like uh, it's 30 miles of bad road. You know, Bush Bush would just come out. Well, I'm the decider. You know, and it's like okay, you know, I can accept that you believe that, but or Dick Cheney just being this this mean, nasty old man who just like you know, I don't really care what you think. Um, I'm the Schrodinger's cat of uh, I'm I'm both a legislature and in the executive branch or neither. And it's yeah. like no, it's pretty clearly laid out. <laughs> and in, in any case, speaking of Schrodinger, I mean that's a principle. I mean there's other ideas like Schrodinger's principle about Schrodinger's cat paradox. Yeah, yeah that's well and 
you know, that in itself is always a, a huge set of questions is if, if, um, you know, is the observer changing the universe by, by observing simply it. observing it yeah. or trying to measure it? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can go down the rabbit hole and, and that's fine. But the, the point is, is with the external review, again, I think this brings up another important component. It's like when you're talking about politics or culture or other things is that one thing that has been so totally eroded in this country is any kind of realistic debate, really about any kind of subject. Mm. Everything yeah. is just reduced to the same gray banal rubble. And is reduced to just a series of knee-jerk emotional reactions and remarks. It isn't in science. Like in the, no, science, in the no. science world, it's not. I, I actually feel more freedom working uh, in, in scientific literature. I've been asked to be uh, a reviewer on, on peer-reviewed journals before. I always generally say no because, honestly, I, I personally don't have time for that. Right. I, I, I'll publish, but you know, some people do have time for that. I, I don't. But when you're asked to review journal articles, that's a lot of work. And you need mm-hmm. to have time and space in your schedule to, to fit it in. And, and the reviewers that I've ever worked with in peer-reviewed journals, they, they don't always have experience exactly in the field. You know, they're in the field, but not exactly in the research you're in. So what happens generally is you you submit the article to whatever actual journal you're going to submit to, and then they review it, and then they send back comment, and then you answer their questions in a way. So you then supplement your article to deal with any questions that you might not have fully written or expressed, and you deal with any table questions they have in your your mathematical models that you're putting out in your your publication and then they say yep that's proved we're going to publish it and then they publish it and then someone might have a problem with it and then they will then publish why they have a problem with it and there's there's a lot of back and forth and honestly it's contentious sometimes scientists are not a bunch of like oh well that's right they're like oh and you're right that that affects my research because I found Y instead of Z, so I'm going to now combat them and and look at why I think they're wrong. But the trick is, they might have you know a dog in the fight, but if they don't have the evidence behind their dog in the fight, they don't have a chance of winning. So very true. So the truth does win out, but you're right. Sometimes it can become embattled, but it's a very interesting structure, and I feel more free in that culture of the United States than I actually feel in any political or media That's or true. whatever's going on yes. in the world. Yeah. In the scientific literature, I find a lot of fun. What I don't find fun is how the popular science ends up into the popular culture where they're like – Stephen Hawking claims the universe is going to be killed by a bubble of the Higgs boson. You know, they they, they misquote Stephen Hawking in some way. And then all of a sudden, you know, Stephen Hawking is doing something crazy and new with science. And and you're like, yeah, is this all bad for you? Yeah. It's all good for you. Yeah. And and they always jump on something. And they, you know, the popular media, yeah, it's all gets, it gets overhyped and it, it hypes things up oh. and inflates things. And then you go to the article and they're like, oh, uh, you know, another article about salt says this and or about is he, like eggs, salt. These kind of things are popular yeah. terms. That, well, I think as a culture, we are, are getting dumber in that. In that <laughs> we, I like money. We don't we don't tend to. I got my we, we have more Costco. information around us than ever, but we don't. 
we feel we don't have the time mm. to look at it or think about it or talk about it. So everything has become very we, – we give short shrift to almost any kind of real human interaction in terms of debate, discussion, uh, just taking time out to read something. Uh, that happens very rarely. I mean in most of the discussions I have in the office, somebody is looking something up on a smartphone, either to confirm or deny. <laughs> and that is a, essentially about, oh, so you're about a – 30-second expert. That's great. And depending on where you landed mm -hmm. on the in that search engine, maybe not even 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So, again, I think, yeah, scientific method, we're for it. I'm for Please it. Please use it. You're getting it? Um, Why listen? We're going to do a very brief yeah. mailbag this <laughs> week, uh, only to announce the winner of uh, episode 150, Alex Skinner. The question is, in the HBO documentary, Nixon, in his own words. Uh, can you do a Nixon? I, I can. Well, <laughs> right, like, go for it. <laughs> and it was, uh, Richard Nixon was was talking to Bob Haldeman, and he said something well, about... Well, and the question was, what did Nixon say about the Roman Empire and gays? I think and, and homosexuality. That, that, was our, that was our ad hoc. And Alex actually got it, like, dead on. And he said, you, you ever see what happened? You know <laughs> what happened to the Greeks? Bob! I'm not against, you know, homos per se. <laughs> because it went on for a while. I mean, Nixon, God, I mean, I would hate yeah. it if, if I picked up the phone and it was him. Oh, no. Just because this is gonna be he, would, he would, like, never let you off and you'd just go fucking off on these tears. Um, you know what happened to the Greeks. Homosexuality destroyed them. Aristotle was a homo. We all know that. So was Socrates. Do you know what happened to the Romans? Last six Roman emperors. All fags. <laughs> I saw Joe Bob the other day. I was trying to tune in the damn baseball game, and then CBS uh, game went off, and CBS came on with a movie. That two magnificent, handsome guys and a stupid old fellow in it. They were glorified homosexuality. Got a panel show? No, yeah, no, no, it's a movie. No, that's a regular show. It's on every week, and usually it's just set in the in the guy's home, and it's usually just that guy who's a hard hat. That's right. He's a hard man. He always just looks like a slob. But it's like Johnny Gleason, and he has this 50-son-in-law. Yeah. And uh, usually, it, it, the general trend of it is to downgrade him and upgrade upgrade. Everything. 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 If you want to write us and give us an address, we will send you some authentic Scani uh, swag. Thank you for getting that one correct. There's some authentic swag. Of course, it, the, with the Romans, it could be that they had too much lead in their water supply. Well, yeah, they did use it to land the aqueducts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, this great idea. You know, so lead we could so use science to analyze right? it. And I'll tell you something yeah. else: if the Scots go independent, rebuild Hadrian's Wall. 
I'd build that fucking. <laughs> I would. I mean, except this time, instead of to keep them out, I'd say keep everyone else out and just say, yeah, build it from the other side. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, you wee gals. Put <laughs> <laughs> that carpet scotch garden. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. This has been Tank Riot. that there is no evidence of a direct link between Baghdad and some of these terrorist organizations. There are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. <laughs> Excuse me, but is this an unknown unknown? Uh, I'm not several unknowns, and I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm not this going. Is an I'm not going to say which it is. The secretary, you know, I'm right here. I'm right something. here. They're bitching for a new SharePoint server farm. Oh, SharePoint! Uh, yeah. oh. we're having trouble with SharePoint. No, don't do it. Everyone has trouble with SharePoint. <laughs> SharePoint is one of the worst packages. Hey, anyone got an Apple Watch yet? <laughs> Yeah, I think I introduced my coworkers to the word "damn it" uh, earlier this week because of SharePoint. Oh God, well, SharePoint, and then and then when you when you links you put stuff in your SharePoint library and then you send the links to everyone else, it's the worst fucking URL in the world. It goes mm-hmm. on for like three uh-huh. lines, and they go, "Oh, it didn't work," and it's like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> type it in. Yeah, type it in. You know, international sign for boron. So do do we want a sound check? Or are we sound checking? This is Tor. I'm not wearing pants. Hello, hello. Looks all good. Uh, all right. Good evening and welcome 